You're listening to Aussie Fire, a guide to financial independence for Australians. We're big fans of sharing experiences and talking about money. But remember, any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Chapter 9. Get the Most BFYB by Matt from Aussie Firebug. In Chapter 6, I discuss the great impact of reducing expenses on your FI date. Now let's talk about the flip side, increasing your income. Remembering the bang for your buck factor in Chapter 6, and that stands for the amount of effort required to improve a focus area. And the three focus areas we were focusing on were saving more than you earn, increase how much you earn, and invest your savings. Let's apply this to increasing income in different areas and see how it goes. In chapter six, we discovered the following when it comes to getting the most bang for your buck. Now let's dig into other ways you can increase your income and compare it with a couple of well-known cost reduction techniques too. Improving your investment returns. We've come to the most talked about, most analyzed, and most overrated focus area, and that is investing. I want to bring up two quotes to set the tone for this focus area. Quote, If investing is entertaining, if you're having fun, you're probably not making any money. Good investing is boring, end quote. And that was by George Soros. Quote, there seems to be some perverse human characteristic that likes to make easy things difficult, end quote. That was by Warren Buffett. I am so guilty of the second quote. When I first discovered financial independence, I was convinced that there was some sort of magical formula that these rich guys must be using to get ahead. It's part of the reason I started investing in a trust. It was like a complicated black box with all these advantages that only the rich guys understood and used. I wanted in on the secret and did my research hoping to stumble upon the golden goose. While there are some benefits of investing within a trust, I must admit that I was lured to its complexities and perceived mysteries for whatever reason. It took me years to fully appreciate the power of simplicity and if I could start again, I would have never bothered with a trust. I feel so many fire noobs fall into the same trap. They go looking for the magical formula that simply does not exist. And even if it does exist, it's almost certainly locked away in a secure blockchain quant investing hedge fund somewhere. Here's the deal. You can absolutely optimize your investment returns up until a certain degree with barely any more effort involved. And I'm going to ignore inflation, risk appetite, investment horizon just for a second to make the point. Investment returns have historically fallen around these marks. 0% for storing your money in a shoebox under your bed. 2% for keeping your money in a high interest savings account. 3.5% for bonds. 7% for real estate and 8% for shares. Now, you can argue back and forth about how those numbers were gathered and what sort of methodologies were used to calculate those numbers, but it doesn't really matter. Realistically, any Aussie out there can achieve those returns or close to them in those asset classes without an economics degree. Index investing opened Pandora's box and enabled the average Joe to grab a piece of the market without needing to spend the time researching and analyzing financial statements. Diversification and low management fees provide the best bang for your buck when it comes to this focus area, 
Everything else has such minute benefits that it's laughable so many people spend so much time and effort trying to see which one's better. To demonstrate this, here is our bang for your buck chart for investment returns. And please refer to the PDF document to see that. So basically, we can get up to around 8% without much effort required. It's always good to put the time and effort into understanding the asset class, but theoretically, any Joe Blow could dump their money into a diversified index fund like VDHG and get roughly 8% over the long term. I don't know any asset class where you could get a better return without extra effort. There's plenty of ways to improve your return on your investment. For example, I sold my first investment property and calculated an after-tax annualized return of 36%, but the number of extra hours I put into that investment was the equivalent of a part-time job. Newbies to fire and investing don't really understand how truly hard it is to beat the market consistently over a long period of time. We're talking 20 plus years. There are people who can do it. I'm not saying it's not um, impossible, but the amount of effort and skills that is required to actually discover alpha year after year is something only a very few incredibly skilled people have managed to achieve. We've all heard the famous story of Warren Buffett betting a million dollars against five hedge fund managers that a simple index tracking ETF would outperform them over the eight-year period. Not only did he win that bet, it wasn't even close. But let's just entertain the idea that you're an outlier. You possess incredible skills and techniques far beyond most active traders and hedge fund managers all around the world, and you're able to consistently beat the market. How much better off would you be if you were able to outpace the market by a whopping 100 basis points, which is 1%? Now, 1% doesn't sound that impressive, but if someone can beat the market by 1% over a long period of time consistently, you're probably going to make more money in a hedge fund picking stocks than you do at your day job. Your skills are extremely valuable. We're going to pretend that you keep this incredible skill to yourself and only use your God-given talents for your personal share portfolio. How much of a difference would 1% actually make? Even using our top-tier investing prowess, we only managed to wipe off 2.3 years, which was actually the worst result compared to saving $5,538, which wiped off 4.5 years, or earning an additional $5,538, which wiped off 2.7 years. Bang for your buck is bad. Think about how much time and effort some funds put into researching for investing. It's a full-time job with an army of analysts and advisors all crunching numbers, creating models, and using the latest predictive methods in the odd chance that they can justify their hefty management fees. And most of these funds don't even beat the index when fees are accounted for. What hope in hell do the rest of us have? The example above used a huge 1% difference over nearly 20 years. How many times have you seen someone ask about A200 versus VAS on the internet? It's got to be one of the most discussed and analyzed topics within the FIRE community. The difference in management fees between those two funds is 0.03%. Let me say that again, 0.03%. They do track different indexes. One is ASX 200, the other is ASX 300. And do you know what the difference has been between those two indexes over the last 10 years? The answer is 0.04%. So maybe, just maybe, those two funds might return a difference of plus or minus 0.1% over the long term. 
10 basis points of difference is your reward for correctly picking the better performing ETF over that time period. And that's assuming you're even able to use your skills to pick the one that's going to perform better, which you almost certainly won't be able to do. Bang for your buck, horrendous. A200 or VAS, IVV or VTS, LICs or ETS. Most of these arguments don't make a huge difference. It's really important to understand the key concepts around management fees, diversification, and why index investing works. But just understand that if you've got one of the above combos, you're already more diversified and paying lower fees than most Australian investors to begin with. The basic investing principles for Australian FIRE is to build a low-cost, diversified share portfolio, mainly made up of ETFs and LICs. You want to buy consistently no matter what the market is doing and grow your snowball to a point where its passive income can fund your lifestyle. There's going to be a hundred different flavors of that ice cream, but once you have the basics down pat, the bulk of the work is done. You can always tweak and improve your portfolio to suit your circumstances, but honestly, if you're trying to reach fire faster and think crunching numbers in Excel for 10 hours a week is going to save you years of working, you might be in for a rude shock. Keep your investing simple and boring. Use your precious time optimizing your expenses and working on ways to increase the amount of money that flows into your account because, in my opinion, focusing time and energy on savings and increasing your income has the best bang for your buck returns. Different ways to increase your income. I hope after reading the above, you can now appreciate just how underrated increasing your income is. The savings rate is held in high regard within the FIRE community, thankfully, so there's not much to add there. But my goodness, does investing get way too much of the limelight. It's largely out of your control too. Other than choosing your diversification levels and sticking to a low-cost fund, you're very limited to how much you can improve the results. When it comes to increasing your income though, the complete opposite is true. The harder you grind, the more money you will make. And the more money you make, the higher your savings rate will be. That's if lifestyle inflation doesn't get you. So let's jump in to see how we can improve our crunches, push-ups, and maybe head over to the dark corner of the gym, away from the treadmills and crossfitters, the weight room. Ask for a raise. We're going to start by improving our current workout, and that's our salary job. One of the easiest and most low-hanging fruits on anyone's list should be to simply have a conversation with their boss about their salary and ask for a raise if they think they deserve more money. How many times have you heard someone complaining for years that they're underpaid, but they never actually take the action of setting up a meeting to discuss their pay with their boss? I'm not saying this will have a 100% success rate, but more often than not, it will start the process for you to either get more benefits or create a plan for your next raise or bonus. You probably want to approach the meeting with some sort of reasoning like citing average incomes within your industry or comparing the work that you do with someone else that's being paid more. Bang for your buck? Great. Hardly any effort with the potential to add thousands extra to your accounts over the coming years. No real risk either and it's not like you have to learn something new. Change jobs regularly. Asking for a raise or putting your head down and bum up climbing up the corporate ladder is a noble way to jump the food chain and reap the rewards. But the sad truth is, in my experience, that loyalty to a customer or business for that matter is rarely rewarded. Your utility provider doesn't offer a better deal when you've been a loyal customer for 10 years. 
It's only when you leave do they all of a sudden roll out the red carpet. If your goal is to make the most money in your field, changing jobs every two to three years is the best way to do it. Be bold, be confident, apply for positions beyond your capabilities, back yourself to get the job done after you've landed it. Fortune favors the bold. I'm not saying to lie your way into a position only to fall flat in your face. Just understand that an ungodly amount of people are in jobs that they were never qualified for or completely lack the experience necessary to perform it at the start. Here's a story. When I worked for the government back in Australia, we would engage with consultants all the time from various companies who would charge an obscene amount of money, a really high day rate to perform project work. So think $1,000 plus a day. I worked directly with a lot of these consultants on the technical side, and it always struck me as odd when they clearly didn't know a whole lot. Here we were getting charged $1,000 a day, and I would end up doing 30 or 50% of the work. Fast forward five years, I became a consultant myself after picking up contract work in London. My second contract was one at the big four consultant companies who are widely regarded as having some of the best professional service networks in the world. And boy, did they charge accordingly for that reputation. I worked on client side with a team of consultants, but was the only contractor. Two of the team members were really junior. One was 18 months out of uni and whilst really smart and willing to learn, didn't know a whole lot about the technology we were implementing. Now, my day rate for that contract was a whopping 500 pounds a day, which I thought was incredible. It was more than double my daily earnings from back home in Australia, and I couldn't believe that a company would be willing to pay me so much. Well, you might have guessed that I was completely blown away when I found out that the consulting company who I was subcontracting for was actually charging me out at their senior consultant rate, which was a staggering 1,250 pounds a day. So even at 500 pounds a day, I was only getting 40% of the pie. And now it made sense why all the firm's partners were driving McLarens. But here's the point of the story. Here's what I want to get to. Everyone on the team was also being charged out at 1,250 pounds a day. And that's that's pounds. So you can double that nearly to, to be in Australian dollars. I mean, honestly, one of them barely knew anything. And it was at this point that I realized that companies will lie and exaggerate their skills and experience of their product and services in order to get the most amount of money that they think they can get away with. And you should be doing the same thing. Last point on this, be prepared to move somewhere where your skills are in demand. That might mean international. Bang for your buck, great. Side hustles. Time to get out of your comfort zone. The two tips above were focused on improving your current situation. Everyone's working out to some degree, so it would make sense that we start by improving your running technique or by buying training gear. But now I want to take you into that dark corner of the gym where you might not have been before. It's not going to be easy and learning new things can be difficult, but I promise you that the benefits here are worth the effort. I'd rather not bore you by listing every single side hustle I can think of either, I've personal experience in a few side hustles, which I'd like to talk about, but there's really an unlimited amount of ways to bring in a little extra cash. Work a second job. This one depends on how exhausted you are working your main job, but there's plenty of people out there that work two jobs and cope just fine. Mrs. Firebug used to do a bit of bar work on Thursday and Friday nights, even though she didn't need to. She worked with her sister and a few friends and half the time, most of her friends were drinking at the bar she was working at. So she was sort of where she would be anyway, but she'd be earning money instead of spending it. 
A little bit of extra work equated to thousands of extra dollars in her account without too much effort involved. A second gig can be anything, teaching piano, tutoring, Uber driving, et cetera, et cetera. Bang for your buck, okay. Sell stuff. One of my biggest pet peeves is throwaway culture. The amount of effort that went into digging something out of the ground, refining it, transporting it, manufacturing it, shipping it, storing it, to finally have someone buy slash consume it, only for it to be thrown away in the trash not long after is utter insanity. Never throw away something just because you don't want it anymore. If it was once a good product, odds are you can sell it online to someone and recoup some of your losses. Hell, I even managed to sell an old pair of Nike shoes for $30 once. It legitimately took me 10 minutes to list how many of you out there would be willing to work for $180 an hour. At worst, go down to your local salvos and donate it. Chucking something that is perfectly fine in the trash is very, very lazy. A bad financial habit and it adds to humanity's ballooning trash pile that mostly ends up in our oceans. Bang for your buck, okay. Credit card hacking. I've been credit card hacking for nearly a decade. In a nutshell, you sign up for a new credit card to take advantage of the sign-up bonus these credit card companies offer and then spend the points on products, flights, or convert them to cash. You can also pay for everything on the credit card and accumulate points over the course of the year. A little bit of effort for a pretty decent bump in my opinion. The only risk is that you need to ensure that you pay off the credit card amount in full at the end of every month. And some credit cards even come with free travel insurance, which can cost hundreds of dollars. Bang for your buck, okay. Matched betting. Something I only discovered in 2019 after ignoring it for nearly six months because I thought it was a scam. The principles are very similar to credit card hacking. The bookies offer you a sign-up bonus when you join with the caveat that you need to gamble the bet in order to access it. Match betting is the mathematical approach for discovering arbitrage opportunities between back and lay bets, or simply put, playing the bookies against each other to make money. When you do it correctly, it's mathematically impossible to lose, but it's a lot more complicated than credit card hacking. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit here for those who want to put the time and effort into learning it. The two advantages that match betting has over credit card hacking, in my opinion, is that firstly, the amount of money that you can make is a lot more. The low-hanging fruit can be anywhere between $1,000 to $2,000. And secondly, match betting can be done for an extended period of time and not just a one-off. I've had many people email me about the money that they've made from match betting exceeding $15,000. The sign-up bonuses are the low-hanging fruit because after that, it basically turns into another job. The fact that you can do it over the internet is a huge plus in my book. Full warning with this side hustle though, you must do your research because if you make mistakes, you can lose a lot of money. I suggest that you listen to the match betting podcast I recorded in 2019 and read the feedback I received from readers later that year. Some people had good experiences, some people had bad. Bang for your buck, okay. Start an online business. I've become an enormous advocate for having a crack at online businesses. There's just so many advantages that being 100% online offers to the traditional way of doing things. Some of my favorite advantages are, you can run the business slash company from anywhere in the world as long as you have an internet connection. Startup speeds, you can literally create a website, blog, YouTube channel and begin creating content or make a product and have the world at your fingertips within an hour. This is simply mind boggling and it gives any entrepreneur a realistic chance to create something that will be successful. Incredibly small startup costs. 
Gone are the days where you have to risk financial ruin in order to start a business. How many people over the last 100 years have had a killer idea but lacked the capital to get it off the ground? I think Aussie Firebug cost me less than $100 the first year it was running. You can scale the business as it grows. This is what I love about cloud services in general. You only pay for how big you are and you can scale in a matter of seconds to accommodate a larger audience if slash when you get there. Aussie Firebug will always be a passion project, but around late 2018, I officially started to monetize my content and miraculously, it managed to make over $30,000 last year and I'm on track to make it again this financial year. I could do an entire article about how to monetize blogs and podcasts because making money digitally is such a new concept, relatively, and there's a lot to get your head around. Even though I've already listed a whole bunch of benefits above, Probably the biggest advantage that an online business can offer someone on the road to fire is the ability to make semi-passive income. A website, podcast, or YouTube channel is constantly available to everyone in the world. It's not like it's a shop that you need to be there physically to make things run. And if your product is digital, you don't need to store it and it can be replicated without any cost. If you sell a physical book, you need to pay to get the book printed and shipped. If you sell an ebook, you can literally just copy and paste a new version and send it to people straight away. This is the power of the internet. Plus, there's a whole bunch of automation you can set up in the background where a lot of the day-to-day business operations can run on autopilot. I think back to how many hours I put into Aussie Firebug during the first three years. The amount of time was crazy. I probably averaged 1.5 hours each weeknight for three years straight. But the beauty of something like a blog and a podcast is that most people are making the content because they really enjoy it. I didn't earn anything for the first three years, but I built the content that would later be the main drivers to allow the site to be monetized. I made over 60K during the last two years, and I'd say on average, I'm lucky to spend five hours a month these days. My life has become completely different since moving overseas and traveling around, and I just can't dedicate as much time to Aussie Firebug as I would like to. But the point is that I've set up a number of automations that enable the site to make me money while I sleep. I can't tell you how satisfying it feels to wake up most mornings and see people taking advantage of companies that I use and recommend. This concept is immensely powerful, no matter what the business is. Work can be recycled and can continue to make you money even while you sleep. I know a YouTuber that basically earns most of his money from a few videos he recorded years ago. Yes, he still makes new content and new videos to keep his channel fresh, but the bulk of his income is being generated from two to three pieces of digital content he created a very long time ago. That's something you simply cannot do when you trade your time for money. If you're thinking about creating content, I'd probably say that YouTube is the easiest way to start earning some serious cash, followed by starting a podcast and unfortunately dead last would be blogging. The double whammy effect. Side hustles and online businesses are a great way to bump up your income, but there's also a massive opportunity to simultaneously work on something that's often forgotten about. What are you going to do once you reach financial independence? You don't need to be financially independent to start plugging away at your passion project or whatever it is you've always wanted to have a crack at. Start that project this weekend. Momentum is a powerful force. If you have a little side hustle or project, you get to work on it for fun in your spare time. More often than not, when you do decide that you've had enough of sitting in the cubicle for 40 hours a week, the transition is so much easier because you've already built up something to further sink your teeth into. My preference will always be an online business, but it doesn't have to be that. Make candles, sell scented oils on Etsy, create a monthly Call of Duty tournament in your area. Anything you're interested in will do. 
And don't worry about making money because nine times out of 10, if you start doing something you love, it somehow finds a way to pay for itself eventually. Wrapping it all up. I wrote this article with the intention of highlighting one of the most underrated focus areas in our community. Everyone should know by now that savings rate is king, but rarely do I see such admiration for putting time and effort into earning more money in your day job or by hustling on the side. Far too often, people come to the FIRE community hoping to discover the secret sauce that enables us to retire 30 years earlier than most. The methods we use to invest are actually incredibly boring and simple. If you're anything like me, discovering the concept of FIRE can change your life. I was bursting with excitement and enthusiasm when I realized that financial independence was an achievable goal that nearly any Australian can achieve if they prioritize it highly enough. Focus more of this energy into something that's within your control. That's saving money and earning more. The majority of investment returns are largely out of your control, which is why the never-ending debate between which investment is best is largely a waste of your time. I'm not saying you shouldn't educate yourself about investing. Just know that the difference between choosing A200 or VAS will not be the difference maker that could potentially wipe years off your journey. On the contrary, starting a hobby of making and selling custom jewelry in your spare time does have the potential to eliminate multiple years and maybe even decades. But more importantly, a side hustle or a business can offer the more important benefit of shaping your future in retirement. No one wants to reach financial independence just to say you did it. We want the freedom that it grants, but using that freedom to create your ideal lifestyle doesn't have to start once you reach that magical number. You can start meaningful work right now and it can help you along your journey. If I can refer back to our metaphor from the intro one last time, I'll leave you with this. Most of you guys already have a great diet. Some are dialed in so well that you are hitting your macro and micronutrients to the gram. But it's time to look at your workout routine and see if you can fit in a few more sessions every week to really take it to the next level. Spark that fire. About Aussie Firebug. Matt from Aussie Firebug is an early 30s country boy from regional Victoria on the path towards fire. He's a big fan of all things tech, finance, and sports related, and loves the Collingwood Magpies. He started a blog slash podcast that details his and his partner's journey towards financial independence back in 2015, and he continues to run it to this day. To find out more, check out aussiefirebug.com. We hope you enjoyed this chapter of Aussie Fire. For more inspiration, head to perla.com slash explore to browse our resources, calculators, and community insights. Perla is an authorized representative, number 1281540 of Sandland Private Wealth Proprietary Limited, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when investing. So always seek advice and or check out the relevant disclosure document for any financial product, including the PDS and TMD before deciding, which is available from the product issuer's website. When you invest, your capital is at risk and past performance is not a reliable indicator of future investment returns.